You're listening to the Racking Focus Podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Racking Focus Podcast. I'm Josiah Blizzard. And I'm John Doyle. And today we saw The Suicide Squad. You gotta be kidding me. You're gonna risk the entire mission for a mental defective dress as a court jester. This is coming from a guy that wears a toilet seat on his head. We don't leave one of our own behind. Hopefully Harley's still alive. No funny business, Colonel. These are dangerous people. Team two is clear to go. Fire up. Three, two. What are you guys doing? What? You, we're, we're here to save you. You were gonna save me? It was a really good plan, too. Well, I can go back inside and you can still do it. That's patronizing. I'm so sorry. Harley Quinn. Bloodsport. You know the deal. Successfully complete the mission, you get 10 years off your sentence. You fail to follow my orders in any way, and I detonate the explosive device in the base of your skull. So this is the famous Suicide Squad. Any questions? Hand. Yes, that is your hand. Very good. We're all gonna die. I hope so. A lot of emphasis on that the, yeah. the Suicide Squad. It's got to be there. Yes, if uh, if you don't use the the, then you're referring to the very crappy film that came out a few years ago. Which well, I'm sure the we'll first mention. Film in the series. <laughs> You're right. This is the sequel. If you really want to get the uh, sequel. technical, the, the sequel. sequel. Yep, yep. Uh, I have. This is a spoiler-free minute here. Right, that just we'll at do the beginning, front. we're going to be spoiler-free. Yeah, there's free. not a whole lot we can talk about without spoiling this movie. So first things first, I'm going to say this is, I think for me, one of the most enjoyable DCEU films. <laughs> That has been made. I uh, absolutely. Second, I'm a hundred percent behind you. Good. It's second. It's undoubtedly a James Gunn film. Excellent. And three, you need to stay through <laughs> the credits, regardless of if AMC flips the lights on immediately before the movie's even over. They might flip the lights on. Stay through the credits. Sit through the people who are. I don't know, every, trying to clean up. Everyone left the theater, and they began to clean our theater, and they should, well, they could have cleaned, I don't care, really, all that much, yeah. the lights were off. I felt rushed out of there, and I was like, I'm going to stay. We're staying. I'm gonna st- I don't even know if there's a post-credit scene or not. There is, by the way, and uh, it's an important one. And uh, So stay. Yeah. So stay. Definitely stay. So those are, those are three quick things I wanted to just say right off the bat. John, what did you think of the movie from a spoiler free so, uh, from a spoiler-free standpoint, I want to say that um, it's not perfect, mm-hmm. but it has so much going for it, uh, and it is, in fact, a James Gunn film. It is also a film full of people who are obviously uh, friendly. It is a film full of actors who are enjoying the work that they're doing, and yeah. I think Gunn, at the head of that, has a lot to do with that. Yeah. Uh, but certainly there is, there's joy in this film. And I think once we get to the spoiler filled, there's actual like beats, literal beats we'll be able to talk about um, and, and what Gunn's done here. 
I would bet that these guys had a ton of fun on set shooting this movie. And, uh, you know, it seems like a lot of the cast that was in this was was either it, it, I could almost see a lot of these people asking Gunn, hey, I need I want to be in your next film or I want to be in the Suicide Squad, even if I'm in it for like a minute. Right. You know, like people mm-hmm. just want to be on set and work with Gunn, I think so. Uh, yeah, I agree with everything you just said there. I, I want to say the use of music is excellent and mm-hmm. distinctly different, although similar in style, perhaps distinctly different than what we see in uh, other gun films. So there's something about it. The movie is full of different but similar. R- right, it's similar. You know, yeah. But because the music isn't thematically uh-huh. dr- driven in the way he has used it in the past. Um, it, it feels different. It feels fresh. It, and it's fresh when you're comparing it to like Zack Snyder needle drops. Because right. Snyder needle drops feel like he wants you to be very aware of the song that I'm playing. And g- he wants some cool points for being able to drop this song in there. And and there are cool points for every song in this. Yeah. Especially the, the shift from diegetic to non-diegetic. Yes. Which yeah. is so well done in this two hours and 15 or whatever it is yeah there's i mean there's a lot to love about this movie so i mean for me just go see it i i mean i don't say that a lot about dc films almost ever <laughs> i don't think i've um, ever said that about a DC <laughs> film. i i really enjoyed it this i mean this is a dc film i would i would actually put on a second time no, again i don't i don't say that about any dc films uh, I, I mean, in the DCEU here, I, obviously we're going to talk DC films and I'll put on the Dark Knight again or anything like that, you know, but this is, this is good. This is a good, this is honestly a, just a good film. Yeah, I agree. And it, it is also a film that's talking about itself and about the DCEU and about Marvel. Mm-hmm. It's just full of, it knows what it is, everything. And, uh, and again, it's not perfect. And there are some spots where it feels like it has bumps in the road, mm-hmm. especially moving maybe sequence to sequence in some places. But it is a lot of fun. Um, I would say, too, go to see it in a theater. 100% agreed and bring like five of your closest friends. With Honest you. to goodness. It was great. We sat with Rick. Yep. It's just great to sit three folks in a row. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, I wish Tina and Steph and Lisa had come with us. Yep. Um, then I'm anxious, actually, uh, to hear what Steph and Tina say who watched it. I have to say, I, I, you know, they're at home. They were at home watching on HBO Max. And there is a, a point in the movie, probably, I don't know, five minutes in where I'm like, I don't know if, they've, if they're going to make it through this movie. <laughs> um, it, well, is, it is violence. It is it grasps his graphic. R firmly. Yeah, yes, it does really, really hard. And uh, yeah, I don't know if they made it through or not, but uh, we'll see. But and I would love to hear how it's different in not sitting in your home, if it's uh-huh. if it's different because yeah. the sound is really great. Like the yeah, oh the, yeah, the way the sound sort of impacts you in the theater yeah. is great. This is a fun experience to go with your friends to see this movie, and experiencing all of the action violence. You know, on a big screen with big sound and, you know, just a, it's a vibe and it's, it's an experience. So. And, and, and if you have seen it, um, do not spoil it for people. This is a, mm-hmm. this is a don't say, you know, Luke, I am your father as you're walking out of the theater film. Like, yeah, do not spoil this film because so much of its energy functions around the fact that you're being, you're able to be, even in your awareness of sort of where things could go, you're able to be surprised. Yeah. And that emo- and it gives you emotional impact. Absolutely. Anything else you want to say uh, from a spoiler-free perspective? No, I want to no? 
Let's. Uh, well, okay, cool. Well, uh, guys, you have about uh, ten seconds or less to um, not listen any longer. I can't believe I'm saying that, but uh, yeah, turn off this podcast if you don't want your this movie spoiled for you. Otherwise, and then come back. And then and come back and the yeah, come back and listen after you've seen the movie. Come back and li- it's on HBO Max, so you know. Get a free 30-day trial or steal a friend's login or pay for it. Whatever you want to do. Come to the theater and or then the watch theater. it a second yeah, that, time. that works too. Absolutely. Which I'm going to do. You're going to see it a second time? I'll watch it another time on HBO Max. Yeah, I'll watch it on HBO Max again. Absolutely. All right. Well, hey, we're going to dive into some spoiler-filled fun. Um, I have to tell you, I forgot the entire time that Sylvester Stallone was the voice of uh, King Shark. Yeah, I actually... It, it, Somewhere early, he said something. I I was I remembered. I totally forgot. I think it would have been even more enjoyable trying to picture <laughs> Sylvester Stallone in studio pretending to be this giant shark man. Right. Yeah. So fun. Um, talk to me about a favorite sequence that you had. Oh my goodness! That, what a rotten way to start. This. I know. I know. There's you know, too many. There are. There are really. I think that that's. So before I give a favorite sequence, let's just say that this is a film full of sequences that are well crafted and cleverly laid out for us. It is a wildly episodic film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is very cleverly crafted. crafted. I, I, the problem of answering your question <laughs> is that um, I want to say like nine or ten. So what I'm going to do is this. Is I'm going to sure. say one, and then knowing that there there's a whole pile of yeah. sequences like rubbing shoulders with this one. Yeah. Um, I think the Harley Quinn escape is... Oh yeah, I, I loved, uh, I loved every single beat of that. Yeah, um, I loved it because it was shot wonderfully. I loved that they gave, they let. This is what Gunn does the whole movie, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm saying about this. So that, talk about the sequence, then we can talk. Let's talk about the sequence. Yeah, um, it's good. Gunn is telling us what Birds of Prey could have been. Yes, like thank literally you for saying that. But he does. I had that same. The entire thought. film uh-huh. is a lesson for DC and Warner Brothers execs. It, it, the yeah. entire movie is a lesson. And so we watch that sequence, and from beginning to end, that sequence is what Harley Quinn can be. Yeah, All the girl power that she needs to have, that Birds of Prey was supposed to do, that they robbed her of, mm-hmm. the incredible level of violence, her extraordinary athletic skill. She's a superhero in that sequence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's full of humor, and we think we we f- poorly decide that she's in trouble. We think she's being rescued. He crafts it so that when she makes the move, we are in that moment with her. Yeah, uh, and we, and she's at risk, and she has plot armor. Complete oh, definitely. Plot armor, yeah. and she's at well, risk. Well, you can't and, kill her off. And yeah. then we get this adventure that it's just wonderful. And that sequence to me, all the way down to her outside in the taxi yeah. seeing the guys run past <laughs> like that sequence to me was just gangbusters the i you know what i loved that that it you know i had the same thought as you was man this is what birds of prey could have been as she's as she turns the corner and starts shooting those guys up with the two machine guns in in both hands and i'm saying man i this is what it should have been and uh yeah so i i loved seeing i this is my favorite Harley Quinn performance, I guess sure. that she's given, um, absolutely. And uh, you know, they did. J- Gun did this thing where, you know, as she's attacking people and killing people and slicing people up with his javelin, there's these flowers yep. and things that are shooting up, 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's given us a glimpse inside of her head. Yep. When she kills people, this is how she feels. And just that animated graphic of, you know, those things flying out from behind her. Like the flowers. Yeah, and whatever. all of that. I'm like, this is, this is, she's in her happy place. <laughs> and it's given me, a, it gave me a better understanding of who she is because of just this, this thing that's in the air. That's not even a real thing. Nobody else can see it. It's just we've entered completely into her mind. And it's such a homage to the fact that she's an animated character, uh -huh. too. Yeah. Like, I love the fact that it's, like, regular old 2D animation yep. floating around her. Yep. It, all of those little touches. Um, and I love the fact that that sequence escalates, right? So mm -hmm. she starts with no weapons. And right. she ends with machine guns. And we well, right. And same with the amount of people, right? Like it's one person in a room and then it's a few people in a mm -hmm. hallway. And then it's like a ton of people. And uh, it is graphic. It is fun. It is, um, it, it, it deepens your understanding of a character. It does all the things the scene actually needs to do and uh, does it the right way. Yeah, agreed. So it, it was it was awesome. So how about your favorite scene? Um, one of, I mean, the scene that, that I thought of as I asked you that question was, the um, I'm gonna call it the whose dick is bigger scene between uh, uh, Bloodsport and Peacemaker when they're <laughs> when they're charging what we think is a <laughs> hostile camp <laughs> and we're all caught off guard when they enter and uh, we learn that it's the rebels camp and they were the good guys. Um, I loved that scene. I loved I loved the uh, the creativity in the kills. Um, I think watching John Cena is so I didn't I didn't think I'd say was so enjoyable in this movie, but that scene in particular was was just a lot of fun. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I really like that scene. But again, it shows another level of like who these guys are and what I mean, that was really the first time we we're able to see their abilities and it, what they can do. Uh, agreed. And it it was a moving sequence. Right. So instead of being mm -hmm. that instead of being episodic. Right. We traveled with them. Mm through a space and we right. watched them do their thing. And so as they moved and shifted around the area, we were traveling. There's so, so, such a good use of geography. Yep. I mean, just really great. It's filled so filled with humor and, and again, action. And again, deepens, deepens your understanding of who these characters are uh, and the beef that they have together. And it's, it's not even, it's like a friendly beef, but also at the same time, all of a sudden could shift right and become something much more intense well that beef carries us through the film too. it does yeah like absolutely. The, their competition yeah. is the is paid off in the last their last moments fighting each other right absolutely uh so yeah that was that's a scene that it will definitely stick with me that i would love to just go back and watch again and again just to i that reveal when they enter the tent so is good. so good um yeah so i mean we could go back and forth for, like this but, whole movie it's, so let's Let's, so fun. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, I, I want to talk just briefly about something that, and this is something we made fun of in the the last, like we've been sort of in this superhero world every once in a while. And we made this uh -huh. huge joke about the slow walk uh -huh. yeah. together, right? Yeah. Like the, the team walking forward. And if he doesn't in the opening sequence give us that and say, I'm, I'm making fun of Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm making fun of the fact that this is a thing in superheroes. Yeah. That we all walk together and join each other. And then damned if 
he doesn't do it later and it works. <laughs> right? I think there's three times that happens in this film. It, and the third time when they're coming out of that water in uh -huh. that rainstorm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is yeah, yeah. Spectacular. Well, and it, it works so well because at that point he's done it so many times that you that you have to be like, oh, he's just joking. He's joking so hard and just making fun of this. And the best part of that last one is that Milton is on the far right of the screen. Waffling. <laughs> Milton in his in his sandals and cargo shorts is uh, on the far right of the screen. And there's just this big gap too. It's like a not it's a not a perfect no, walk, right. right? Like it's just it, they're still staged, obviously, but it's right not, as the it's the not reversal perfect. happens, right? And we yeah. see how sort of collapsed it is. Oh my gosh! So yeah, he's just poking fun at all of these stupid things that happen in in yeah. superhero films. So, um, because what did we watch the other day? We watched something the other day, right? That had a superhero yeah, we did. walk in it. What was it? I can't remember any films we've seen. <laughs> the, the Green Knight purged everything before the Green Knight. It's whatever we saw before the Green Knight. Oh, shoot. It doesn't make any difference. It doesn't matter. Go, go back two, it go, go back two podcasts. I'll find There's out. There's the answer. Um, I, I want to talk. Snake Eyes. Sna it was Snake Eyes. Snake Eyes. It was Snake, it was Snake Eyes. eyes. It was. A film that has no business putting a superhero walk right, in a film. Right. That's right. Because yeah. it had the superhero walk of all these people who weren't really hooked up right, together. Right. And here we have that I mean, the joke is played so heavy. But See, that, we've already forgotten about Snake oh, Eyes. Goodness that's no gracious. Good. That's unfortunate. I have to say that, dude, I, we'll talk about that another time. But the guy who played Tommy man and the warrior. He is really a good Kung Fu fighter. I'm going to have to go watch and it. You got to watch that movie, that series. Anyway, um, the, I want to talk about a hundred different things, but le I want, let's start with Bloodsport and his daughter. Yeah. This movie from the beginning. And so I'm skipping like the big reveal at the very beginning of this. It, it tells us we're not in your traditional film. Mm -hmm. we're, I'm, we're not going to do what Warner Brothers wants. And so that is the inverse <laughs> of the scene so, in the original it's Suicide so Squad. It's so sad right? that you say that because what you're saying is what we're going to do is inject some heart into this film. And Warner Brothers doesn't want any heart in any film. Well, Warner Brothers wants... He want, they want style they want and action. And they want sentiment. Sure, sentiment. Not yeah, heart. Yeah. And yeah. so we get, you know, uh, Deadshot and his daughter mm -hmm. and the same exact kind of situation right right um except the difference is that he's this really caring father who can't quite get it together and he loves her so much and so we're gonna we're gonna go pay we're gonna did you say pathos dead shot do you say dead shot right. in his daughter okay you're referencing the first the first, first one. one okay cool. here yeah right yeah we have a father who tells his daughter to F off like that scene when they're in prison is exactly the inverse of the crappy sentimental scene in the first film that's yeah. obviously manipulated by some script massager who said this can't this has to we have to have a, the heart has to be this father-daughter relationship and this movie pays that off right right like there's a payoff at the end yeah that is really heartwarming but it's not. But we're not being manipulated by cheap sentiment, and right. we get to laugh at it because that argument they have across that window about the freaking television the, the phone watch, watch phone, television yeah. watch is fantastic. <laughs> it's just great comedy mixed in with a setup for heart instead of fake heart. Well, and and that that conversation, that yelling match they have, is is it feels real. It feels real and grounded. Like if they were to just give the same kind of conversation they did in the first Suicide Squad movie, 
like it would feel like really cheesy and uh, like you feel forced you feel mm-hmm. like you're forcing it into the film but this this feels like I'm gonna give you what a potentially a real father-daughter relationship may be in uh, a relationship that is you know not that healthy and uh, that's you know people people who feel like they've messed up and they've let each other down and they're defending themselves and they're you know they don't want the other person to be harmed in any way and so he's trying to distance himself from his daughter and um, yeah, like it just felt it felt real to me. None of that felt like it was forced or fake right. or, or anything. So. But it did establish for us a relationship. Right. It didn't have to be a loving relationship for it to matter at the end. No, because the point was the point. It's a it's not a loving relationship, but it but she wants it to be. Right. And she doesn't ever have to say that she wants it to be. She just says what it's not. Right. And by doing so. She's giving, uh, she's telling us what Bloodsport needs to hear to have his arc right. be completed. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's the that's the theme stated of the film. That's the theme stated. Like you need to. This is how you need to change. And now it's on. It's on you to do it. Right. So. Yeah, I, I'm so I love that. Let's talk about the opening sequence with the, the first the, team. The super long. Uh, pre-title sequence essentially the, this, essentially this, the yeah. suicide squad which mimics in almost every way the original film might as well just take the original film and beat by beat play it out in that sequence i have to tell you i think i have just dumped all memory of that <laughs> film out of my head except for how i was feeling in theaters when i was watching it which was pure agony sitting in that seat um waiting for it to end um all i do remember is a really long opening sequence that I feel like was like 30 plus minutes of them introducing characters in that first film. Right. And they is did that right. The, they, they introduced the characters and they introduced them with their files. And then in this movie, Gunn shows us their freaking files That's in right. that opening sequence. That's right. Um, they go through the, here's how the thing gets stuck in you, uh, in your neck. And they play that same game over and over again. Gunn is just putting in the beats that yeah. were in that first film, but doing them in a way that is entertaining, visually interesting, and making fun of the other movie. I'm going to have to go back and watch the opening sequence. It's well worth watching the first section of that to see, okay. and then watch this to see what Gunn did. Yeah, because I've completely purged it from my memory. It's but, gone. But then they go on the beach. <laughs> There's How many guys are there? There's... Uh, oh, there must know. be eight. Eight, something Eight like or that. so people. Well, I'm not going to... I can count. All, all but two full cannon fodder just they're just there to be obliterated and that's it and it's wonderful and i felt like that was gonna have to happen at some point you know throughout this film there's just so many people in this cast that these people are just, they're just gonna have to be annihilated uh and sure enough this was this was that scene and it opens up with um savant played by uh who's that michael rooker right yeah and with with some really long daenerys targaryen hair Right, and doing a scene that is wildly reminiscent of the movie The Great Escape where he's bouncing a ball <laughs> off a wall while he's in yep, solitary. It, it ba- yep, and uh, yeah, and you're stuck kind of in his POV, right, mm-hmm. throughout this this, pers- uh, this, uh, this opening sequence. And I was honestly rooting for him to get out. I wanted him, <laughs> to, I wanted him to escape. And uh, he, had, he had compassion for the weasel and uh, well, as, as much compassion as you can give that that creature and uh gosh there was just 
Nathan Fillion is in this for what a minute or less, thirty I would, seconds. I think it's longer than that. I is mean, it, I, yeah, but it's not a full punk of the film. It's a it's a, it's a beginning sequence, whatever that runs. Yeah, but and he's got enough screen time to be in the movie, right? Right. But it is not it's, a lot of screen it's time. It's these guys in the it's these guys in the first sequence in this first wave of of Suicide Squad that. Are the people who said to Gunn, I, I want to be in your movie. I don't care if I die in the first, like, ten minutes. Just I want to be in your movie. That's that's how I feel like this went down. And then they all joined in. And, and they're like, whatever, we're just going to we're gonna Yeah, let's, let's spend a, you know, a week shooting this crazy sequence. So fun. But what this what this sequence also does is show how Viola Davis's character just continues to use these these people as you know again cannon fodder for, and they are truly cannon fodder yes fully right yeah um, for even for her not just for the film oh, but for her yeah right? but for her and th- and that's what that's what gun is saying like these guys are just being exploited to their fullest potential of they'll do anything to lessen their sentence or to not be bored to death in a cell block right and uh if that means they die then they die they take that over sitting in in jail for the rest of their life um and she's fully using that to her advantage, the, the deaths are great. The, um, they're hilarious. The powers are ridiculous. The powers are ridiculous. Uh, what um, T T D K? Right. What did that stand for again? It stands for wait. That was Nathan Fillion's character. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. Um, De- uh, detach. De- oh, I don't remember what it's. Detachable kid. The detachable kid. Yes, and his arms pop off his body you told me this was and arms I fall did, off man right, right? yeah his arms pop off and they have like the kind of thing a gi <laughs> joe would have to put the arm in it's so good. that would make the gi joe movies so much more interesting oh, if they had detachable limbs but it's and then the arms go out and slap people in the face like it is ridiculously <laughs> funny um and you know with the the weasel dead and the madness of it and we we have some measure of risk for harley quinn and Flag, flag at that yeah. point and it does establish the thing that these movies need to do and that's real stakes yeah absolutely you know? yeah i mean that the all of these guys were going to die and did die you know raise the stakes and that the stakes were also raised on the other end right if you did actually try to pull out your head's gonna be blown off right you know and she will not hesitate to do and that they do all of it for us in that opening sequence mm-hmm. which full of humor which plays all the way to the end of the movie again mm-hmm. right it has that has to happen up front it's not a pointless sequence just for gun to make fun of the first movie even though he's is even though right. he is yeah. it actually matters in the end and you get the javelin and you get you know what i mean like you're getting these things and it's also information that our characters our suicide squad b wasn't aware of right exactly right? And, so it all and plays we together. become aware of them at the end and then Gunn, which he does several times in the movie, does a time shift for us so that he can create that sense of parallel action taking place without giving too much away. Yeah. Uh, so, but I do, I want to say too, the Javelin moment's fantastic. Yeah. The fact that, first of all, she loves the accent, uh, which establishes a sexuality in her that's important for later in the film. And it also, she doesn't complete the thing and, and it, it gives her a mission, right? Right, right. Uh, yeah, now she's working towards something. To, right, to discover what is this the thing? purpose of this, yeah. <laughs> this javelin. You're the one to use the javelin. So good. Oh, man. Uh, uh, yeah, there's just this movie is just filled with ridiculous things over and over again. I mean, the, the big 
<laughs> starfish kaiju at the end. I mean, this thing doesn't, I mean, it looks threatening and doesn't look threatening all at once. It only looks threatening because it's 50 feet tall. Right. But it's this giant in the the color they use for these starfish. It's rainbow. It's very purple and pinkish and yep. and uh, cream colored, like orange sickle. Like it's this weird color. And it's the least threatening creature that you, a starfish. It's a starfish. And Gun, again, is just poking fun right, at, at these the superhero things. At, at all of, of these yeah. things, he's poking fun at it. And this movie did. Uh, you know, he, this movie, sorry, this movie didn't do what, again, most, if not all, of the other DC films do, and that is to have some giant CG versus CG brawl fest, right? This was at least uh, grounded a bit with real actors in a real space. Well, and, and yeah, and I think you're right, and I think it, is, it extends right to the fact that, you know, we, in the middle of that sequence, he does something that dc does too where it's i mean to make fun of the the sudden memory moment right Right. so like you know in batman v superman when they realize martha's the important name and like it's like a memory moment and they're oh mom oh mom like and 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 (laughs) it takes us out of the moment right it like they they, the sentimentality pulls us out here he does that and he goes all the way with it yeah but he's grounded it so hard in that rat catcher 2 character um, and she is it, her hero pose with those rats running over her is so yeah. slickly designed, <laughs> so that she and we played out the he he set us up so well with that really lovely scene in the bus where yes. they say I'm going to save you I'm going to save you and they mm-hmm. do their exposition dumps sort of in there a little bit yeah yeah um, and then yeah. they each do save each other you know right. Um, but in that final moment, he's, you know, Idris Elba is piled down. There's rats running over him. And she is in full hero stance. Yeah. So good. It was amazing. And darn it if Taika isn't just crushing it in everything. I mean, who casts him as a Portuguese heroin addict father who can speak to rats and has t- teaches his daughter? He's amazing. He's amazing, and he's. I think uh, again, it's just another guy who's like, "Hey, Gun, I I want to be in. Yeah, let me let's do this I want to be together. in your movie." You know, there's just too many people for. I mean, people are asking. I think people are asking him to be in this film. Uh, but yeah, it was amazing. I love that bus sequence where the flashback hits the window, the reflection. Right. Literally, she's reflecting on this, and it hits the window. And uh, right, right. So beautifully done. Um, Gun does that. Does some reflection stuff throughout the film. He does another fight sequence with. Oh, in the helmet. helmet. Oh, so good. It's like, thank you, Gunn, for showing me a different perspective than, like, just the stereotypical fight sequence. Because I, after watching Snake Eyes, after watching Fast 9, after you know, we're watching fight sequence after fight sequence in standard, you know, action films. And it's nice to see a fresh take. It's nice to see a fresh perspective. And, uh, you know, to take a chance, to take a risk on, you know, an angle that you might not pay off. Well, in, in that final sequence, too, you know, and we we should talk about Polka Dot Man because really a well used, well done superhero, supervillain, whatever you want to yeah. say. That he's a superhero. Every beat he's by the end he's a superhero. Every beat along the way that he has is funny. Yeah. And the use of the mother imagery is brilliant. 
I'm not sure I noticed that it was his mom dancing around him in that in that club scene immediately. It really took me. No. Okay. It took me a moment to to realize that it was a bunch of the same woman around him. And the second I, you and I, I think, verbally responded about the same time. Yeah. Uh, that was that was. <laughs> I, that's an image that is burned in my brain. But that's but hilarious. you know we get to the end and it's Starro right and Starro turns into right. mom. It, it just at every moment along the way, it's yeah, plant and payoff, plant payoff, tons of, of humor. Yeah. And then he gets that hero moment and we know he's going to die then. Like you, you know, he can't make it the moment he's oh. completed his arc. Oh, the, the, I mean the, you know, from the shot angle, right? Right. He looks over and he says, I'm a superhero. And I was, I'm like, I'm waiting for you to get crushed, bro. Like I know it's happening. And uh, sure enough. Yeah. But yeah, he's completed his arc. He's taken down his mother. And he's, uh, it, it was almost like a therapeutic thing for him to right. shoot these polka dots at this. And the, I mean, the polka thing. dot stuff really works. Oh it's, it's a ridiculous superpower yeah. that really does work. Gun made visually. it work. Visually, gun makes yeah. it work, which is, which is great. Can, can we talk about the bar scene? I think the bar scene's another thing I want to okay. land in a little bit. Because I want to talk about the first Suicide Squad. And the bar scene. Okay, Do you remember you, the bar scene from the first? Dude, episode? I, I, I don't so, remember. A so everything goes wrong, thing. right? And they're killing one of the things, right? And it's just another joke, right? In the first Suicide Squad, the big problem, one of the big problems in the movie is all of the villainy is being done by these like neutral, like inhuman humanoid monsters that have no personality so the murder of them has no meaning right and gun in this film everyone is, who gets killed is a person right you get like it's right. like we're really doing this thing we're really fighting it's going to be ugly we're going to kill people and th as part of that um the starro victims are all real people right, right? But they're also zombies in the same way yeah. and killable. And he's saying, look, you, there's a way to do this that's interesting. Yeah. That's different than, you know, CGing a pile of things and blowing them up. Right. But in that first film, they blow up a whole pile of them. And then everything is collapsed and the team's falling apart. And they go into a bar and they all have a drink. And Harley, if I remember correctly, is behind the bar serving people drinks or she's having drinks served to her. And sure. it's where the team sort of comes together, I guess. Yeah. But and in, in it's where the uh, El Diablo tells the story of what happened with his family. Right, right, and right. it is this sullen, like, despair-filled, dark, really unhappy sequence. Yes. Harley cannot pull her humor up enough to get the rest of these, like, sad, yeah. depressed, brutalized people to, to get through this scene in this bar. And there is the, like, take a drink. It's got, you're you're going right. to be that guy thing. And right. here exact opposite yeah yeah well it's complete fun it's complete fun it's well because and it's because gun did the heart stuff in the bus on the way there right he did let's connect in the bus and let's have fun in the bar right you know let's watch them interact now that they've had this conversation right and we get to watch rat catcher 2 dancing right and we're like oh wait they are getting along right yeah. like there's this really charming well you get to see the connection right they've mm -hmm. they've become vulnerable with each other on the bus and now they actually feel connected as a group and can have fun and let loose and drink and it's it's totally okay yeah, and flag we see flag and uh bloodshot bloodshot am i right no blood sport blood sport i'm gonna 
Deadshot. Right, Deadshot, Bloodsport. <laughs> they're gonna. Uh, we see the two of them like arm in arm, laughing. Yeah, they're having a, having drinks together. Yeah, it's it's a good time. It it th- those things really play, and it is a way of saying everything doesn't have to be sad in this universe. Right. Everything doesn't have to be extra dark and gritty. And the, these people are all probably gonna die. They're still yeah. gonna have a good time. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, I thought that uh, that was a great sequence. Um, there's just loads of good things about this film, man. That uh, I mean, I mean, seriously, I want to go watch it again. Like, I want to go watch the film yeah. again. Like, it, I had genuinely a fun time. I I can't tell you how much I remember from this first Suicide Squad movie. I don't remember a single thing. I don't remember <laughs> a single thing. Um, I remember bits and pieces of them introducing people. I remember the Enchantress. Enchantress. Yes, Enchantress. Um, I and that memory just came back to me as you were talking about the bar scene. Um, other than that, is there a giant smoke fog creature that they fight in the end of that fire creature? It, there's a fire creature they... that fights, fights this sort of smoke built machine that's going to destroy the city. Okay. It's very complex and confusing and mechanized. There, in a... There's like little bits and pieces, right? Of, of visual things that I remember. But other than that, it's by far... My least favorite DCEU film. Absolutely, hands down. Right, but you haven't seen everything. No, and, and I don't think I need okay, to to right. be able to make that okay, confirmation. Right. That I think that is hands down one of the worst films I've ever seen. I watched Suicide Squad theaters. over Aquaman. Yeah, is that bad? I, I hated Aquaman. Really? But, okay. I, know, I know some people are going to be angry that I said that, but <laughs> that I, that movie was intolerable for me. I mean, it's, I, oh, goodness gracious. Anyway. Man. Um, the, what I, the other thing I'll say, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, there's a lot of death in this film. You don't say, and it's all earned. Okay, yeah, right. Yeah. Like he doesn't. It, it all is driving plot. It's driving action. It's he, the the butt of jokes, or it it drives there's purpose. The next scene. There's purpose for um, everything, right? What Milton's death is, yeah, is farmed for emotion. And then farm for humor. humor. Yeah. Like that's that's what good writing and directing yeah. does. Well, every, again, everything has a purpose. Mm-hmm. Gunn knows what he's doing. Um, and yeah, I, everything has a purpose in this film. And I think the, the films that we we say that about end up being the best films that we end up seeing, right, and reviewing. Anytime that we, I think, say everything had a purpose in this film and was done for a reason, chances are we're giving it a high score, a big review, right? Um, and same goes for tone. I think if the film, anytime we come and say the film knows what the tone of this, of the, of the movie is, if the director knows what the tone he's going for is then, uh, and he pulls it off or she pulls it off, then we're probably reviewing it with a pretty high score. And I, I think for this film, Gunn knows exactly what tone he's, he's trying to drive. And, uh, sure. It's not a perfect movie as you mentioned before. And we can talk a little bit about kind of those bumps in the road in a minute, but, um, yeah, I think as far as tone goes, like you're you're definitely gonna get the same kind of. I mean, this I, multiple times I was like, this feels like if he were to, if he were allowed to make an R-rated Guardians of the Galaxy film again, you know, if he were if he were to give, if you were to give him a, a fresh start, and you said you can have an R rating on Guardians, I feel like this is where he would have gone, just maybe not as, not out as killy. there, uh, not as killy, yeah, because yeah, right. there's a lot of. There's yeah. a lot of death and violence. There's some really good deaths, though. Like Captain Boomerang's. Oh man! For as short as he stays, yeah. His, the boomerang deaths he does are great. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good death. 
there's a lot of good like there's a lot of good killing yeah yeah really there's a lot again and even back into that sequence of them walking through the camp all of that is i mean i did not expect peacemaker to pull out a a blowgun right um i also i also think that um you know they didn't they didn't really focus on this all that much until the very end but Bloodsport's uniform and his gun arrangement is so cool right like i wish we got to see a little bit more of how that worked and how customizable it all could be because i was wondering the entire film like how is where is he pulling this gun from and uh and at the end i fully understood how this all links together i thought really cool design for his character and, and yeah uh, for well, the, and, uh, the helmet's fantastic the helmet's great the helmet's very fantastic. A- was alien right like that's what i was thinking right, of full like, time it looks like there's like death his chin looks like a you know, the yeah. bottom of a skull, just really good design. Um, and I, I want to say that the relationship between Flag and Harley Quinn is really interesting mm-hmm. and felt honest and true. Yeah. And Flag's death, which was upsetting to me, like to be honest, I like yeah. I like Kinnaman and I like the character. Well, I think you um, called that too going in. Yeah. You're like he's got to he's got to bite it. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, yeah. The thing about that that fight was great. Uh-huh. It was a fight that was about something real, right? Yeah. It's about two men's integrity. Right. And, and we know Flag doesn't like what he's doing. And so we have this, like, his actions are his actions are so driven by some kind of strong moral compass. You know, like, the, he's, he's the, in, in a lot of ways, like the noir hero. That's right. this, like, guy on the wrong side of the law that it has this moral compass. Yeah. And he's doing the right thing. And then, but what Gunn does for us, right, is when he dies, um... Gun says he's dead. Yeah, he's not coming back. Right, because right. we look at him. Yeah, well, and we watch his heart pop inside right. his chest. Like right. we don't need that close up. Right, 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 right. We, that's not necessary in that moment. Yes. But we get that close up because we're saying this is. We need to see the body fall. The body's going to fall. And you need to see the heart explode a bit right. because what I'm going to show you in a post-credit scene is, is uh, me saying that just because they died or look right. like they died. Yeah, we yeah, Kinnaman's when flag he does that gone. to us twice, right? Like right. he does that with the weasel. So like there's a You're right. Oh, the, you're right. The weasel's the there's setup. There's two resurrections. And, and that that's the thing that gets us through. Right. To believe like it's all it's a little piece of that lets us have okay, this yeah. can, this guy can survive too, a little piece of survival. Well, I got to tell you too what gun does is also flag tells peacemaker as he's dying peacemaker like what a joke or something like that right Mm -hmm. it's the same thing that Bloodsport's daughter does to him yep and so we've now and you can see it in this is where cena pulled off the acting ability yeah agreed because i could see it in his eyes that he hated what he just had to do and now he's actually questioning his decision and he's questioning who he is but he's still 98 percent peacemaker but now there's this two percent that has started to open this gap right. up within his brain and now he's going to start rethinking things a little bit and, and we get the move forward through that sequence that uh with him where we see him with Ratcatcher 2 where we really do we have to believe that she's really at risk yeah and then that absurd drop through the building <laughs> that elba does that might as well come right out of fast and furious yeah well yeah absolutely I'm pretty sure I could see Vin Diesel doing that. And then yeah. boom. Each over and over. So funny. Well, and this was the um this is the this this is the character that I kinda wish that 
Elba played in the Hobbs and Shaw movie. Right. Because he's it similar suit design, it feels like, uh, minus the gun attachments. And uh, he's far cooler. He's far cooler yeah. in this movie. Um, and he's not, like, the thing that Gunn lets these characters do is not want to do what they're doing. Right. And going through with it, and it lets them be individuals. Yeah. So they don't get lost in the plot because they are dealing with, each of them's dealing with their own thing. Mm-hmm. That, that Harley Quinn sequence with the president, which is mm-hmm. just so good. I, I mean, she gets sex, which she deserves, I think, at some point in one of these films. Yeah. Um, she uh, is <laughs> in love with the guy, and then she does this- what she does. Yeah. Well, and you know she's going to do it, too, because you know you're like, I haven't seen Harley Quinn for a little bit. Why haven't they showed her? Why, why haven't they showed us her? what she's doing? And I'm like, she's clearly grabbing this gun. And uh, again, and what it also does is we've already seen the beef between sexy president guy right. and old general. And if only this this hot president was out of the way, then the general could do whatever he wants to do, which is destroy the United States. Right. So clearly we have to get the president guy, the sexy president out of the way so that the stakes can be raised. And Harley is our way to do that while also kind of giving her some more emotion and, and once the bullet goes through, he mm-hmm. could have fallen out that window. I, yeah. But that's not the choice this film makes. Right. This film lets Harley Quinn watch, watch him, him die, die f- covered in blood with dialogue that is character uh-huh. integral, right? Mm-hmm. All the way up to the last beat, mm-hmm. including the joke of, I didn't think there'd be a bullet in it. Yeah. Like at every step of the it way. It milks everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Gun doesn't waste a moment and he milks everything for what it's worth. And fully. He does, right. He just doesn't cheat us out of the action that we can have with these characters because characters driving the story if it was harley quinn has to kill this guy so he's out of the way that's a good point gun fires he falls out the window and he's dead and right and harley quinn's standing there with the gun either looking goofy or looking triumphant right but, but gun says no we're gonna spend time with the character we want to learn about we're gonna let her that's be a good who catch and I think that's we see that all the way through the film. Well, that's what separates a a plot driven film and a character driven film, yeah. right? This is all about the character, and Gunn realizes that this is this is about the characters. This is about the people, and either their redemption or their descent into more violence, and and or whatever it is that they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Whichever direction they take, it's about the people. It's not about the action, even though the action is important. The plot's important. It's about how our characters respond to that moment and how they change from it Mm -hmm. and how they how each of their actions affect the others these characters are doing so the line polka dot man gets before he dies has impact on idris elba right right like a goes to b those moments yeah and you are important you can feel that because you you feel i felt anyway that elja elja Idris Elba's character, Bloodsport, felt responsible for his death when he, but he was proud of him, but he felt responsible for his death because he was now the leader that told everybody what to do. That was my interpretation of it anyway. That's how I felt when he watched him get smashed. Right, and a legitimate feeling. Mm-hmm. And and even if, even if, there's probably five emotional responses you can have to that, whatever, there's more than yeah, a you could have response. Yeah, you could have a different response but every time the, you watch but it. But the key is that it, it has impact. There's an right. impact. 
the that, fact that I had a response to it God, is the important thing. You saw that character A impacted the decision making and character of character B. Right. And that's good filmmaking. Yeah. Uh, and we see that in Guardians of the Galaxy all the way through, right? All like the, all, Guardians yeah, is all about that. And so we know it's one of Gunn's tools, mm -hmm. but he does it really well here with characters who are all, for all practical purposes, expendable. Except, I guess, Harley Quinn. Like, she's the one who legitimately She's the only one that you know Warner, Brother, Warner Brothers is not going to approve anything with her, with her death. Absolutely not. Um, well, and the other thing that we know, too, right, was you were telling me that Peacemaker has... TV series is yeah, that is that what that is? It is in, an HBO series. But when 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 he got shot and in a, a really lovely beat with yeah. Elba, I thought I thought that TV series might be a scam. To okay, to fool us. To I, yeah, I, I was like, wait, have, have I been duped? <laughs> uh, have I been duped by? Did the Gun create a fake press? TV oh, series to gracious. to throw us all believe, off? I would completely believe that. Yeah, for sure, uh, but. It's not. Right. And, uh, yeah, I was wondering how they were going to do I was like, is this TV series a prequel? That's I, what I, I was thinking I, it was. The and and <laughs> the, the second I thought that, I was like, I'm, I'm going to be very disappointed if it is, because if it is a prequel, it takes all the risk away from this character. And no character development. Can no happen. character. Right. Right. You're right. Yeah. So... Thankfully, I don't think it is. And uh, when I think we've seen the whole cast, in all likelihood, those other three characters are the rest of the team. Those will be the three. The, the, you know, yeah. they'll be with him, and that's a setup from what we saw in Amanda Waller's space. And it's great. I mean, just really smart. It's yeah, really smart setup in filmmaking. That'll be fun. I'm glad John Cena's getting some work, and uh, I genuinely, I think, I enjoy watching John Cena. He's fi He's he's finding. He's taking, I think he's taking bigger risks than The Rock is. <laughs> okay. Do you know what I mean? And so I think I respect him on a different level. I don't know if, I mean, The Rock has kind of found his thing, right? He's found right. his, he's found his character that he can only play. And I think that John Cena actually is, does a great job in this film because he's allowed to not be himself. Mm -hmm. And uh, whereas in Fast 9, I felt like I was watching John Cena be John Cena. Right. Yeah, I gotcha you know, just big macho guy who has to fight a little bit and drive a car. But uh, in this movie, he clearly has to be somebody different. He has to be. Uh, and so when you're forced to, yeah, I think it probably hasn't, I'm, I've never been an actor, but I mean, you've directed actors and you have been an actor. Is it, do you find it easier to get in the headspace of a character who's completely different from who you are than try to act as somebody else who's very similar to you? The key for me, and I think this is with, actors I've worked with too in the style of acting that I do so like it's act, mm -hmm. there's schools of acting it's about inhabiting the character and so it can be like you or you can have parts of you that are present sure. but you inhabit the character through the dialogue and mm -hmm. I think that what you're saying about The Rock is right I think The Rock builds characters around himself Mm -hmm. And the stories come out of the things he wants to do. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that because he's no, entertaining, but I yeah. think that's what he is. He, it, because I don't think he's going to ever play a character that's not charming. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's yeah. part of what yeah. like is written in where right. Cena playing different people who are different uh, or at least making an effort to do that. And that inhabiting the other person gives you freedom as an actor. I mean, it yeah. certainly it certainly does because it, it it's not you. Right. In a way, well, I think Batista is doing a similar thing as well, yeah. right? Batista is it. There's a difference in range, right? I think. I mean, it doesn't feel like The Rock has any range other than this character, 
and Cena and Batista can do a whole load of different things. And their range may not be large right. or wide, right? But it's at least there's some variety in character. And when you're working with good actors, and this film is full of good actors. Yeah. Um, right, they're going to level you up. Yeah, they're, that's mm -hmm. exactly right. It, yeah. just, it, it does it. I'm, I'm watching Babylon 5 right now. I'm watching season two over season one, and they, there's one casting change for season two. Mm -hmm. And the show transforms because they have an actor they can work off of. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, Cena's in a space with Idris Elba. I, that's going to make, I mean, yeah, all of Elba, those folks Robbie, around all of it, everybody. Yeah, Kinnaman, they're Kinnaman, all yeah. real actors. And they're, even if they're actors who at this point are primarily doing this sort of big blockbustery work, mm -hmm. uh, that means that he can go head to head and he can learn yeah. while they're doing it. And since Gunn is demanding character, right? It, it's great for Cena to do that. Yeah. Yeah. He's only going to learn. He's only going to get better right. from there. So uh, I'm excited for him and his, his, show us uh, assuming it's real and I, then uh, I, they didn't I, just dupe yeah. us um yeah I'm, I'm excited for him i'm excited to check that out uh i mean this feels like what do you know if that show is going to be directed by gun in any no way idea. or have I any, don't know anything, anything else about, about it? it anyway um, um i like the character that was created i'm interested to see more and uh i don't i wouldn't say again you know me in dc i would have z i have zero interest in watching any of the other dc you know series right. that exist I don't have any interest, but I would I will legitimately give that show a try. Good. Um, I, I want to say that uh, the Corto Maltese, which is a comic book place, a, okay. a real comic book place. Sure. Um, that whole sequence reminded me of the Expendables films, which made me <laughs> laugh because, you know, that's yeah. That's what this is. Right. Stallone is there. <laughs> right. in, and in the Expendables films, they're not expendable, right? Oh, all right. these actors who like right. sign contracts right. they're they not can't really die. die. Yeah. So like there isn't this kind of death. <laughs> and here we do the same kind of storyline. We go into some third world fake country that has had a coup and we have to take over it. I mean, they don't have giant starfish, but so I, I do feel like the other thing that when I watching this again, the expendables don't have a giant starfish. In they do films. not have a giant star in uh, any of the three films. Oh, it's a shame. Um, I mean, all those films simply gain uh, muscle mass. Like yeah. e each film has additional muscle mass. In, like they in keep the bringing new, new muscle, new bound muscle bound people guys in into there. the right, future right. films. So, uh, <laughs> so that, you know, it's hard. To, no one can fit in the, uh, the that hero shot is getting a little, little difficult it's to only to available create. on IMAX. You can't yeah. do it anywhere but IMAX. <laughs> it's one of those three sixty degree rooms in Disney that right. they have. For, yeah, right. yep. Um, so, so, so yeah. I mean, I think there's also in a rewatch or a multiple rewatch of this film, you're going to see Gunn taking advantage of other action films that he's of this ilk and, yeah. and what, whether he's making fun of them or an homage to them, whatever it may be. I, I mean, I think there's all of that work being done and Gunn isn't going to make the green Knight. He, he's because no, his, yeah, yeah. his content, his source material is pop culture. Yeah. It's not the classics, not that belittle him in any way, but like, he's, no, yeah. his source material is pop culture. And so I know there's more and it's not Easter eggs, right? It's, Right. It's that's not what he's doing. Right. And, and and I love that. Yeah, I think he's I mean, with this film, we saw his success with Guardians and Guardians 2. I think this film kind of cements him in this fun, quirky genre of uh group family buddy films, right? As as the guy who just he can just nail it. 
You know, I'll, I will watch any family-oriented film from, from Gunn. Any, any, any film from Gunn that involves a group of people, I will be on board with because I know he'll do it right and he'll take the time to understand what the heart is behind the film and that there will be meaning. Um, you know, I, I also remember hearing or reading an interview uh, that, you know, Kinnaman gave a line and said that the reason that this film was so much better than the first film is because they let us make the movie we wanted to make. And I think that if you can give Gunn, and this goes for any filmmaker, not any filmmaker, but, you know, talented filmmakers out there who have a vision, who have a clear vision, we've said it time and time again, give the filmmakers the ability to craft and control the film that they want to make. And it's, it's likely going to be received better than a film that has their studio, you know, completely involved hands mm-hmm. dipping into the cookie jar way too many times and just sucking the life out of it. We've seen it time and time again. Uh, the kitchen could have been great. The kitchen could have been a great movie. Absolutely. But Warner brothers dipped too, yep. too many times, I think into that, into that pot. Um, it happens over and over and over. So I think Gunn is, is the type of filmmaker who is not going to make a film at this point, unless he has near, you know, 99% completion is approved on his end. And yes, the studio can kind of give input, but Gunn's the type of guy I think who's, who's just going to make the movie that he wants to make. And that's, it's going to be take it or leave it sort of thing. And and that's a legitimate artistic position. And that's, yeah. what we, you know, even if it's pop film making, mm-hmm. the fact that he has that art tour sensibility makes yeah. the film stronger. Yeah. And it's it, just, he's a style. He's, he's his own voice. And, I mean that's part of why people like Guardians, and that's why people, that's why I like Suicide the, the Suicide Squad, right. not Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad, and uh, I mean it's the reason I like the Green Knight, and I like uh, you know a Ghost Story because I can I can feel Lowry's voice mm-hmm. when he makes those films. Um, it's the it's the reason people love Chris Nolan films because you have his voice throughout all of those films. So when you give these auteurs their the ability to make the film they want to make. People, people are going to eat it up, mm-hmm. you know, and if they don't immediately eat it up, then it may become a cult classic in 10 years. And I don't, I don't know. Give it some well, time. And what for me makes guns special. Uh, and he's not the only one who's doing this, but what makes guns, I went, mm-hmm. uh, Taika, what's he, he does the same thing. Taika's is, yeah. Taika's um, another one. Mm-hmm. Is that they, they have this voice and they have this style, but the, their films are character driven and heart driven. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean they're sentimental you know, like I complained about it in, in chapter two with yeah. this too much sentimentality. Right. It, it's not nostalgia. It's not sentiment. It is, uh, it's telling a story about the nature of sort of human relationships. It's just telling it in a pop culture format. And it gives you something to talk about and think about yeah. uh, through that voice. And, uh, you know, Hunt for the Wilder Peop- Wilder People yeah. Um, yeah. is a fantastic film yeah. and full of heart and as weird as can be. And you see the same voice in, uh, you know, Thor Ragnarok. And mm-hmm. yet, and, and you see the same heart in that film, too. Uh, yeah. And you, all, and you also know that these people are making, so they're making good films not just making films that'll be popular and entertaining. Right. Entertainment is part of the process, but there's a heart behind it that really plays. Yeah, I agree. What do you think of uh, King Shark? That let's, let's at least touch <laughs> the like um, how King Shark played. I we haven't talked about it. I don't. I don't have a lot of thoughts about King Shark, and, and I don't think he has a lot of thoughts either. 
And uh, I, I thought he was entertaining. I thought he was a... Um, was there a giant lizard in the first Suicide Squad? Uh, it's starting to come back croc. to me. Killer oh, yeah. Croc, okay. <laughs> it's all starting to come the back as, as we're talking about it. More I think up. that King Shark was, you know, the gun saying, hey, I, I, <laughs> I can picture Gunn watching the first Suicide Squad movie and saying, I can do this better and I'll do it with the same kinds of characters right. <laughs> just, to, just to prove a point. And so I think King Shark is that equivalent of the crocodile killer croc, killer croc. um we're gonna bring in this completely cg character and you thought it was gonna be the weasel for right the film and i had no idea what they were gonna do with that weasel for the entirety of this movie and uh you know killer croc comes in and i don't know he's fun to watch man when he's on screen he's so stupid but he's so fun to watch and he also still this character that is feels like he could be completely meaningless has a character arc that he has to go exactly. through of finding friendship. It's so dumb that it's so it's dumb. So dumb. He has to include guns. Like I'm not gonna, just going to waste this character. He has to grow too. Well, and it's that betrayal moment, right? Like there's this great moment when he's in the aquarium, the completely insane aquarium space. Like why that exists at all in that yeah. building Jotunheim yeah. which Jotunheim, is another yeah. joke yeah but um you know the, the uh the, and then he thinks they're friends yeah and then they're not and that sense of betrayal yeah then he decides what friendship is like there's all of this material driving forward a, a completely cg character it's unbelievable and i can't tell you how many times i was actually concerned for his well-being agreed as a cg character and he doesn't look real like they, I don't think that, I, this is the other thing, I don't think that Gunn cared enough to make these creatures like 100% realistic looking. Right. Like they just needed to be like passable. Like I, I was never convinced that he was a real shark in real space. Like the texture wasn't right. Like none of that was right. It's all weird. But I was still, con like it was fine. I was totally fine with it. Um, but multiple times I'm concerned for his well-being. I'm like, okay, he, there's buildings going to fall on him. And now he's being shot continuously i thought he was going to be eaten alive by those creatures i thought he died once twice uh, and a third time exactly i was and, concerned for and him concerned for him each time yeah right? i would have been sad if he died i i actually agree with you because his arc isn't finished because he's found friends now right and then he gets guns wisely again in, in a way he uses groot in some ways in in the same fashion mm -hmm. in, um where you know we get a joke at the end where a, are, is this guy edible? Is yum yum? Is this one a yum yum? Like, it's so good. Like, th those things are so good. I think that the rat catcher's little rat. Yeah. And that yeah. final moment with Bloodsport yes. on that plane is priceless and completely skippable in a lesser filmmaker's hands. But it's Gun lets it take its time. Mm -hmm. We watch. We watch Elba, who can really act. And if you have never seen Elba in either The Wire or Luther, oh you should watch both of those uh, series. Luther's incredible. Luther's astounding, and The Wire, his performance in The Wire is amazing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so if you've only seen him beating people up or something like that, uh, he he's able to do the work that's required in this mm -hmm weird ending sequence where we still maybe people are at risk right maybe we're at risk um and you know we he makes this decision 
Yeah. It's so it was just really, really well done. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and his arc has been completed, right? When, for the most part, his 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 relationship with his daughter, we can, we we understand is is likely going to get better, right? As as she sees him on the TV, and now all Elba has to do is face his fears, right? Right. Which, which I think the rat in that moment is a metaphor for his his fatherhood right right like this this is they completely mirror each other in the fact that he says in the prison like i didn't ask to become a father like i didn't want to become a father right. he's afraid of being a, a father he's afraid of failing as a father which he has right and he's afraid that if he keeps his daughter in his life he's going to continue to fail her but by making the choice to face his fears of these rats by petting it and letting it sleep on its leg and allowing it to be comfortable then like that's the same thing he needs to do with his daughter yeah when that rat which we I mean, we are not a rat loving species i don't think right. and that rat's adorable at the end oh I yeah mean, I, I i think it helps that he's wearing a little backpack it does and he but he snuggles in on his <laughs> knee but to say too that the metaphor again it's just gun writing well yep the metaphor for why he hates rats is because his father locked him in a box with rats. Oh my God. And I so, forgot about like, that. You're right. Yeah. It's so completely fact, family it related. Is, it's father related. It is the, the metaphor is clear. The symbol is clearly connected. Mm -hmm. And, and that's why, you know, we talked about like, we're going to watch the green Knight more than once. Mm -hmm. That's why the suicide squad gets watched more than once. Cause there's right. rich character things for us to discover along the way. Like I say, it's the best Harley Quinn we've had. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it makes me angry because of how I feel that both Margot Robbie and the character has been betrayed in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Well, she's, I mean, you look at Harley Quinn in any animated thing ever, and she's great. She's wonderful. You can't mess her up in the animated, in animated anything um, because she is so cartoony. Right. But, I mean, I think, I think, I think Robbie's the first person to portray her on live screen action, in live action so. and the first three movies she's been in they've just wasted her you know this is the first film i don't i feel like that she's actually been who she needs to be yeah with purpose with character development and all of those things so right and, and gun lets her act yeah. right like he lets her do real acting what i hope that this movie does for dc and i doubt it will but i hope that this allows executives at Warner Brothers to say, okay, Gunn did it. Let's see if we can do it again and do it right and let a filmmaker make the film they want to make with these characters and we'll, we'll, we'll be hands-off for a minute. What I'm afraid they're actually going to do is say, let's try and duplicate that. Right. And, and it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be sentiment and not heart. Yeah, I, I think right. that's right, and a lot of dead people, and a lot of dead people. Yeah, because because th what are, they saw was violence and sentiment, not, not, not heart and character development, right. and and solid action right. for a purpose. Aye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think that's exactly right. Um, I I think that we don't, we don't have much to talk about right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I you know I think the filmmaking stuff of this. Music, production design, cinematography—that's stuff that almost doesn't even feel worth talking about because again it, it is what it is like the cinematography it's hard to make a movie look bad today like there's all of that stuff like there's a million people who are so good at what they do and 
we can't break any of that that stuff down but but the key thing to say is that all of those pieces are choices that's being made by gunn and his team right so you brought up about the colors of starro the colors yeah. of the world around right. them all of those things are clear choices that are being made even if they're made in the pop milieu that mm -hmm. removes from them some of the high style we might get f in, a, in a movie that's more right more focused on things like unusual shot framing or whatever it right, may be. Right, right, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, overall, go see this in theaters. See it again in theaters, take a whole bunch of friends with you, and then watch it a second time on HBO Max or something, and I don't know, enjoy. It's fun. Yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm going to make an effort to see if Steph will talk about this for five minutes and yeah. either tag this on the end of this thing. Okay, I'll or, ask her when we, get uh, home, when we get home. Or, uh, you know, let her do her own little, like, interview spiel as a follow-up. Because I actually like to hear her squealing responses to this. After watching her, seeing her watch professional wrestling, I can't imagine <laughs> her response to this. I almost just uh, need to put a lav mic on her I know, or and just let her and, go. And, and, pick a movie uh, to, to watch with her. But I, yeah, I agree 100% see this in the theaters. Um, and, you know, if you feel uncomfortable about COVID, wear a mask. I wore a mask like it's my gig yeah. inside right now. Uh, between grandchild and old lady mom, I'm being careful. Yeah. Uh, but to, you know, to put that out there that I think you should go into the theater and see this. Uh, don't be offended if the lights go on at the very oh, end of the movie. God, AMC, uh, man, and you might need to listening. shut the door to the theater when you walk in to make sure the lights are off when it starts. But um, and uh, and then watch it again on HBO Max. And yeah. maybe that's the way we should be talking about these movies coming out. Yeah, you know, see it first in theaters, watch it again at home. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Anything else to add? No, just people need to come visit us and listen to our other shows. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Racking Focus podcast. We'd love for you to join in on the conversation by leaving us a message at anchor.fm slash podcast. The link is in the description of this episode. We'd love to feature you in the podcast and respond to your questions and thoughts in a future episode. And if you want to track all the films we watch and talk about, you can catch either of us at Letterboxd. Uh, you can find me there at John Doyle. And I'm at Josiah Blizzard. The links to our profiles are also in the description of this episode. We'd also love for you to leave us a review wherever you're listening. And we ask you to leave a five-star review because that helps people notice us, but you can leave whatever comments you want about us in the review. That way you can share your opinion and increase the conversation. Lastly, follow us on Instagram at Racking Focus Podcast, where we post screen grabs from some of our films we're watching and where we'll keep you updated on the episodes that are releasing week by week. If you are listening to an episode, we'd love for you to share a screenshot of that episode you're listening to and tag us in your story. Anything else to add, John? Nope, but I think Stephanie has something to say. Okay, I want to know what you thought of the movie <laughs> last night. Was it fun? Yeah, it was fun. How about all the death? There's a lot of blood and guts. What did you think of the giant starfish? It, the little dudes came out of his armpit. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they did. Was it? You know what, what it reminded? Did it remind you of Alien? Oh, it definitely channeling Alien. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But I also thought of um, SpongeBob and Patrick the Starfish. <laughs> Where did you see a sponge? No sponge, just, just the fact Patrick. that just Patrick. Oh, okay. Just Patrick the Starfish, because um, it didn't look threatening Patrick in any way. Patrick has two eyeballs, not one. Yeah, I know. Also, the Harley Quinn moment where she goes to the eyeball is vile. Oh, I thought that was so cool. The, she she went through the eye the too easily 
I thought I expected it to like stick into the eye and then for her to like slide down the eyeball. Yeah, no, she went right in. It was, and then all the rats dove in with her and it was kind of gross. The rats were a little much. I like the rats. But what did I you understood. think of Sebastian? Do you think Sebastian was cute? He was cute. I wanted to snuggle. Did you react when Taika showed up on screen? <laughs> I may have screamed, that's Taika. <laughs> and Taika's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, it's Taika on the screen. <laughs> I also may have screamed penis and boobs during that. Because we saw both. Oh, during the movie? Yeah. Can you tell me when we saw each of those? Um, <laughs> the penis was when they were killing everyone in the village. All of that lady's friend. And he was just he was, taking a dump, I guess. He was like standing in the... Um, yeah, and then it was... Oh, was. right. Because I think uh, it was John Cena shot that guy. In the head. In the head. And his penis was hanging out. Yeah, there it was. And then Idris Elba... I actually rewinded to show Tina. Oh, my God. Because she missed it. And then Idris Elba responded by shooting the fan into the bathtub. Yes. And cutting up that dude's junk. Yeah, it was an a lot. There's a lot of death, a lot of blood. Yeah. Was it better or worse than the first Suicide Squad? Better. By how much? A lot. <laughs> Agreed. Thank you for your mini review, Stephanie. That was can great. Can I get up and go now? You can leave and go eat your brownie. Next, on the Racking Focus podcast, the guys will be watching and reviewing the Jungle Cruise and Marvel's What If series. Thanks for listening to the Racking Focus podcast.